Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? Hey guys, welcome to episode two of Flopography. Uh, where we will be uh, analyzing Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods album. And um, prior to digging into um, the background, uh, Mike and I are dressed the part today. Uh, I'm wearing my fedora uh, and a shirt that I bought for Tahoe. Uh, my wife and I went a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I am I'm dressed to the, the Justin Timberlake nines as we start talking about Man of the Woods. Um, and Mike's got his camo shirt on, which I mentioned to him is exactly what Timberlake wears in uh, the Super Bowl performance a couple of years ago. Yeah, see, well, I gotta tell you, you look like a park ranger too. So with the, with the <laughs> background, so I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I, I dusted off my future sex love sounds uh, fedora as soon as Steve told me he was dressing the part, so I might as well. Um, but yeah, the Super Bowl army, and we have to live it, this entire album, the aesthetic. So here we are. I brag about you to anyone outside. But I'm a man of the woods, it's my pride. So before we dive in uh, and talk about Man of the Woods specifically, uh, like we've done in the past, Mike, what is your uh, what's your reaction to Justin Timberlake and your thoughts on him as an artist in general? I mean, we've I grew up on Justin Timberlake and he's been around for so long. So I'm curious, uh, what are your thoughts on him? You know. I am a casual, and that that even that's a stretch, uh, Justin Timberlake listener. Um, I appreciate his good songs, but to be quite honest, I've never been a huge fan of his solo work. Um, and so definitely going into this album, I, I had some hesitation because I've never listened to it from start to finish. Uh, but, you know, he's done a lot of damage to Britney, so I got to I gotta stick with my girl. Yeah, that's interesting. Brittany and, and JT, that really takes me back. And I uh, am now reminded as how big of a fan you are of, of Brittany. Um, and I kind of share a lot of similarities as you uh, about Justin Timberlake. I did own uh, No Strings Attached by NSYNC. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, it was one of the first albums I actually bought, um, which which is is just a funny anecdote about Justin Timberlake because I'm pretty apathetic about the guy and his work in general. Um, so uh, after Justin left NSYNC and, and went on his solo career, I, I have been impressed by his ability to expand his audience beyond the boy band persona um, yeah. and reach an, a, a wider audience, a male audience, an older audience through his movies, through comedy. Uh, Jenny just reminded me before we started this podcast how close he and Jimmy Fallon are. Um, mm. And they did so much work on SNL together. Uh, so, you know, he's been very funny and likable. As of late, there were those cheating allegations uh, 
and, and Jessica Beale, uh, which have have definitely, though he's claimed and she's claimed are completely false, have really tainted people's perception of him. Uh, but mine is is really generally a positive one. And um, I'm really excited to talk about the album specifically. Uh, so I do want to get into a little bit of the background of you know what, Mike, you were doing uh, when the album was released. And unlike Gaga, who we spoke about last time, which was back in 2013, this one wasn't too long ago, uh, 2018. So, so it shouldn't have been vastly different, the type of music you were listening to, what you were doing when it was released. And just to remind you, it was released February 2nd, 2018, ahead of his Super Bowl performance. So it was Super Bowl weekend. Uh, so, so what were you up to? What type of music were you listening to at the time? You know, I couldn't tell you, to be quite honest. Um, any first quarter release for a major pop artist such as Justin Timberlake is a bit challenging, right? Because you think of like where people are at in their lives in the first quarter of 20 or whatever year that is. And it's not much, there's not much going on except for the Super Bowl. Um, I think looking back at the artists that have um, capitalized on their Super Bowl performance, it usually was done with a single, not necessarily an album. Um, but to be quite honest, it was kind of a blur to me. And I think when you look at where and when this album was released, it may not, that probably is a big factor into that. You know, you're writing your success on this one-time performance that you're going to get a lot of visibility for. Right. And something that I found interesting as, as digging into JT, uh, we also dug into Gaga in the last episode. Uh, it, it made me think that, you know, the Super Bowl is often given to artists based on like previous merit, yes. not necessarily their current buzz. Uh, Lady Gaga performed the Super Bowl during her Joanne era. JT performed during his Man of the Woods era. I'm I'm not going to get into Joanne, but you called it flop in in yeah. the last episode. So I do want to just reference the fact that like the Super Bowl isn't necessarily a marker of how hot you are right now, but what you've done uh, and, and really the melody that you can bring to life at the Super Bowl. So you just have to have a lot of hits, to be honest. Well, um, it's almost like a, a curse, actually, when you think about it, because now that we're talking through that, um, flop and with that and by the way joanne has a lot of similarities with this album i would say right. um but uh, madonna with mdna uh, mdma which was her album when she released it right um like a month after the super bowl performance or a couple and then um katie perry with witness the types of things that were popular at the time, I think this is really important in like the context of Man of the Woods. Um, rap music was really dominating as it is today. I mean, there's a lot of hot hip hop music. I mean, a lot of times I check out the charts and I would say that I'm a casual hip hop listener. Huh. I'm not like, I'm not, you know, um, I, you know, I like Cardi B and Megan Thee like Stallion. What? You like Macklemore too, so. I do like Macklemore, I do. Although, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of controversy when he won uh, the best rap album over Kendrick Lamar at the Grammys. Yeah, I remember that. I was still team Macklemore. 
that that's definitely going to get me canceled. By yeah, that's, that's, we're going to get a <laughs> from that stuff. Um, but so rap music was really popular. The biggest artists that year, Cardi B, Travis Scott, um, from a pop perspective, uh, Ariana Grande, who released Sweetener, um, and then the follow-up, Thank You, Next, in, in I believe, less than a calendar year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ariana was bringing more of like this trap music to pop. Um, and then Casey Musgraves, one album of the year. So just to give you an idea of like the vast variety of popular music at the time. Yeah, this is, yeah, come on, go. <laughs> <laughs> NSYNC only released three studio albums. Um, they did release the Christmas album, but I found that I found that a bit surprising. I just maybe I was a kid and it felt a lot longer than it really was. But uh, but they only released three albums together. Uh, Man of the Woods was Justin Timberlake's fifth studio studio album. So after Justified, Future Sex, Love Songs, uh, and the 2020 Experience, which he released two versions of. As, a, as we found with Gaga, and I think will probably be the case for a lot of albums, is their previous album was a big hit. Um, so immediately they're set up with very high expectations beyond just the fact that they're, you know, these these great, you know, old-time artists. Mm-hmm. His previous album was a big commercial hit. It was nominated for Best Pop Album at the Grammys. Uh, and he had recently, after that album, hit number one uh, from the Troll soundtrack, which he was also, vo- he voiced a character in. Can't Stop the Feeling. Can't Stop the Feeling. Uh, were you a fan of that one, Mike? Uh, no, but <laughs> he was riding the high from that. That was a very big pop summer song, if you remember. A little bit more into the 2020 experience. It sold 968,000 copies in its first week. That's an om- almost a million sales. Uh, and they, the part two was a big drop off. It sold 350,000 copies in the United States. Uh, and the current certification is two times platinum for the first version and platinum for the second version. This, his top song from that era was Mirrors, which hit number two, uh, which is a song that I really liked from those two albums. Um, Suit and Tie, which hit number three, uh, and he performed at the Super Bowl, actually, puts on a suit coat in the exact shirt that you're wearing, Mike, a camera shirt. Um, let's just say his, his wardrobe wasn't on point, no. but... <laughs> So the album for by the numbers for the flop album we're talking about, Man of the Woods. Um, so it it generated two hundred ninety three thousand first week sales. So, I mean, a hefty drop off from the part one of 2020 experience, which I think is the most fair comparison about from a million, but 350 to 293 isn't, isn't that bad, but you got to remember he was supported by the Super Bowl, uh, which the Super Bowl sent million reasons by Gaga to four Mm -hmm. at the Hot 100. Like those types of moments are huge. The other albums that came out that year, uh, Harry Styles, 
Uh, his first solo album came out. He generated 230K sales. Ed Sheeran, who could forget Shape of You, one of the biggest pop songs of all time, uh, which was another one. It's it's interesting to me, these, these songs that just take off, but he sold 451K in the first week. Mike, I, I had trouble remembering what singles yeah. were from this era. Like... I didn't remember many. The only one that came to my mind was Say Something, because that was always on the radio. I think that was a radio hit. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a very forgetful era, to say the least. Yeah, the other, his lead single was Filthy, which reached number nine. And that was what led his Super Bowl performance. Yeah. And then uh, I had never even heard the single Supplies um, which reached number 71. Today, the album's at, you know, you know gold certification. Um, and the Metacritic score was, was pretty dismal at 55 out of 100. Uh, he did not receive great Metacritic scores in general. His highest was 2020 Experience at 75, uh, Future Sex Love Songs at 70, and Justified at 68. But I wouldn't say he's like a critic's darling. Uh, he also obviously in his career has the movie side of his his work that he, you know, Jenny was just talking about how much he loves Friends with Benefits. Have you seen that one, Mike? I love it. I don't like, I don't love it. I like it. It's good. He should, he should stick to music though. I know you hadn't listened to it all the way through before the show. So I'm very curious about uh, your raw initial reaction to the album. How would you describe it in one word? And then tell me a little bit more about your, your initial thoughts. It was a real struggle to listen through it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like I could not do it. Like I, uh, I, I did listen to it, but my raw initial thoughts is like, couple key words that come to my mind consistent justin timberlake i will say with all his albums he's always very consistent right sonically um he goes with something he just lives it through the track one through whatever it ends with um and does it consistent right um so i would say the second one i, I was boring there's maybe a tiny couple of key moments but i i'm not a fan of it i can see why it's considered a flop yeah, I to that point, that was a positive to me is that it what it was pretty consistent in terms of the sound. I thought my initial reaction was that it felt a bit insincere. Uh, huh. so, yeah, so what I mean by that is like I, I dug into it a little bit. It's like the album's inspired by his wife and his son um, and Tennessee. I didn't realize that his fan base is actually called the Tennessee Kids. What? There's no way. According to Wikipedia. First but of all, I didn't know he was from Tennessee until reviewing the background of this album. I'm like, what? I'm like, you you never had those roots in his music at all. Like, no. to date. No, I mean, he's like this funk pop artist. But like, the initial reaction to the album, you play Filthy, hmm. it's... It's not woodsy at all. There's no. nothing to it that makes me feel um, that it's setting this tone. Um, additionally, so many pieces of it are on the nose, like from a track called Montana, um, which 
if he's from Tennessee, why is it not called Knoxville or Nashville? Back to you. It doesn't feel authentic to him. Uh, And then, you know, it's just instead of getting this glimpse into his Tennessee roots, it's it's what the sound throughout the album is what it feels like he thinks the wood should sound like, Mm. not what they sound like to him. You know, the, the opening track, Filthy, which I will say Filthy is a highlight for me. Um, it obviously was the first track, but back then it wasn't, but, um, listening to it again in 2020, I was like, oh, okay, I can group to this. It's pretty good beat. Um, I think actually Britney danced to it in a video, um, recently and people were like, oh my God, she's paying homage to Justin Timberlake. And I was like, okay, but how is their relationship these days? Are they, uh, I think they're pretty cordial. Like she's given him, like she said, like, and I think in that same post, like I love Justin's music and he's like thanked her but you know still there's a lot of bad blood because he kind of was playing the victim and um i think the fan base very slut shaming of her uh based on the alleged uh theory that she cheated on him with uh crimey river and all that good stuff i we digress but um i almost thought of that transition of the first track and maybe as a transition from his last album into this one because it is a kind of a bridge sonically um, there's still a little bit of funk to that. And then, then we get into a real big funk of that entire album. <laughs> it's funky. It's just a midnight summer's jam. It's something, but we don't give a damn. The story's got a present line. We pretend the summer's just a dance. The album itself is out of place sonically with where the landscape is um, at that time. To your point, R&B has had, and hip hop, and have just had this like dominant uh, place on the billboard charts over the last several years. And I don't know when that's gonna go away. I hope so too, I hope so soon because I don't like it. But um, <laughs> it was interesting. One of his producers said that they purposely, you know, were going into that, those sessions for the recording, didn't think about what's going on in the landscape, right? And I think to me, that's a miss, but I also think as we will kind of uncover in these uh, episodes, most of artists flops are those albums that they really market and position as very um, raw and real and true to themselves. And I think when you have that, plus a sound that is funky and outdated, um, I don't think it was a good mix. The actual moment that was low for me was his album trailer. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it, but you should dig it up. It's basically, uh, it looks like a movie trailer. It's very well produced, but it's him walking in the woods, being one with the earth and really hyping the, the music up to really be something that it ends up not delivering on. I also looking back felt that his Super Bowl performance felt dated to me. I think that like no one's going to argue Justin's a great performer and dancer. But uh the fact that he didn't, you know, bring any guests out, the fact that 
you know, a lot of his wardrobe felt a little bit sloppy in some cases. Uh, that those were pieces where I felt that he he didn't give a performance that truly was was uh, incredible or even good. Uh, I just I didn't think it was bad. I felt it was bland. So those two things were were my thoughts on the low moment for the era. Well, let's think about this though, in setup to the era, to your point, there was a lot of controversy at that time about him returning and being invited to the Super Bowl when, you know, Janet Jackson has, still has like this, you know, ban there and people were really angry about that. They're like, why does he get a second chance? And people were even like, you know, speculating that maybe he'd bring her out and give her a little bit of like kind of like a, a brand lift and a kudos there that didn't happen right and again he's uh used the time for himself mostly um but that i think people start to really kind of expose justin and start to bring to light all of the the mistreatment and negative things that he would say about britney and other people so i think that setup into the era is not a good one um because automatically when you are having um, a very distinguishing moment in your career, like the Super Bowl, you're going to get kind of microscoped as by fan bases and media. Right. Like, why could he recover from it, but she couldn't? Yes. Uh, especially as, you know, that time was really the start of a lot of the Me Too movement and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so just putting that in context of, of the this album and the world at that time, I think is, is a really interesting point. What do you think should have been a single? One that I thought uh, was a good chorus uh, was, was sauce, but I couldn't get over the cheesy lyrics. Juice, juice is temporary. You know, anyone can obtain the juice or something. I mean, you could say that just because you got a nice car, so I'm like, oh man, you got the juice, you know? It, it, it's, it's something that kind of, kind of comes and goes. Sauce. sauce. Sauce is forever. Forever, forever. He says something about snap on a lover. Uh, and I read an article that's like, is he referring to Snapchat? Like yeah. his lover is over there Snapchatting her exes and he's trying to convince her to put down her phone and come to bed. Like it felt like Justin was trying a little bit too hard to stay current. So that kind of ruined that one for me. Uh, Midnight Summer Jam was was pretty decent to me, but he like dubbed in gunshots. Do you know what Soulmate, his song Soulmate? No. Okay, so Soulmate was released right after, um, like not even like four or five months after the album. It was a one-off single, it was released in conjunction with his tour for Man of the Woods. Um, and the song is a fucking bop. I'm gonna be, gonna be your soulmate for the night. Let me put my soul on you. People who have unsuccessful eras that then release standalone singles is like a testament to being that era. 
Right, exactly. And so he positioned it as like, oh, to celebrate the opening of the era. I mean, the opening of the, the album, um, sorry, the tour itself. Um, mind you, Joanne Flopan did that with The Cure. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's that song is so good. It felt breezy and, and summery and modern. And that should have been on the album. It was actually intended to be on the album originally, um, which segues into my next thing. I appreciate what Justin does with his albums. He intentionally only works with select producers. Most of the time that's Timbaland over the last several albums, right? Um, there's a cohesiveness in the sound because he's being cohesive and selective with a very few producers. I would like to see Justin like venture out of that, right? It's like, you know, ex expand that a little bit. Right now he's working on his next album and he's working with Timbaland, no surprise again. And that worked, that was a winning formula for future sex love sounds and um, 2020. But I I think the fact that he again worked with this group, it's kind of group think, right? You start to think about and do the same things because you're kind of in this bubble stuck together. But I think that is a challenge that came into this era that sonically came out of that as well. And, and the sonic of that, to your point, the marketing is so off based on how he positioned himself in this era, right? He, uh, his roots uh, from Tennessee and in celebrating that type of music, but it was very funky and that is a part of, of in some parts of Tennessee, but I just think the aesthetic of it did not mesh well. And so I can see from a brand confusion standpoint, it's like, what am I about to embark upon? When I, um, the album cover and then, you know, the title man in the woods, I'm thinking it's like a country esque album and it kind of is in some ways, but it really is a funk R and B I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many things that are just stacked up against that. Um, and I think that that's a bit of a challenge. Right behind my left pocket. That is where you feel my soul. It's been with me many winters. It will keep you warm. What to you aged the best and what aged the worst about, it could be the album, the era, uh, the, the sound, but what, were, what was something to you that aged really well and what was something that you felt hasn't aged? I know it's only been two years, but... Within two years, there's been there's been some things that maybe may not be off base. Um, when you kind of look at what hasn't aged well, like um, Justin Timberlake has made his career on um, cultural appropriation. I think you know um, being in position of as as uh, the whitest black guy, so to speak, and that um, how he markets himself, right? You know, I think you know definitely tends to have a little bit more flavor on the music that may not be necessarily in tune with him, who he is and his background, his cultural background, right? From Tennessee, but he's cult consistently using urban music as his sound and aesthetic, even the way he delivers his lyrics, right? Um, that could be because he's working with uh, Timbaland, the Neptunes, all people that celebrate culture in that way. But I think that when you look at Justin Timberlake, in 2020, I'm really curious to see what his new sound is because his pop stuff has worked, right? Um, Can't Stop the Feeling is a really big testament to that. And I think that that is gonna be really interesting to watch over the next couple of years and has not aged well, to be quite honest, as I was listening to it. What do you think has aged well? Filthy is a really good track, a really good track. And I love the way he's, 
was listening to the album, Justin Timberlake's uh, vocals are never the same. He always changes it up a little bit in some different way. He has the vocals there, uh, but he sounds different in every single song. So I think that that um, in itself is has aged well and his versatility. That song that you mentioned was a single that I did not even know actually till this, till this recording. What was it? The third one? Applies. Yes. That song is really good. I was actually jamming to that one. I'm not going to lie. I was, uh, I, was, I was almost twerking in my bathroom as I was listening to it. Yeah, that's deeper in the album too, Mike. So at least you weren't asleep by then. Second part of the album is a lot better than the first part of the album though. I will say that. Yeah. Met you out on Broadway on the hottest night in town. We arrived solo, but we were being chased around. What aged the best? I think, I think the intention of the album. Uh, it's really interesting to do and re do this review, re-review at a time when Folklore by Taylor Swift had a very similar intention, but just a much better execution. Um, and it was, you know, well received by the public. I mean, when I when I heard the title Folklore, I almost did a bit of a laugh because it is very similar to Man of the Woods in the sense of uh, very on the nose. Mm -hmm. But she was she brought in the right people to get that sound. The Bon Iver, uh, the National, a lot of different people to to execute that uh, in a way that was true to her intention. So I think the intention was there and that's that's one thing that's aged well. But, uh, but Steve, like what you said, true to her intention, it's also very true to herself. Like her career started celebrating her country roots, right? A little bit more of that aesthetic. Like I think what is a really big challenge of this album is that he never really celebrated his heritage that way, right? And all of a sudden he comes out of left field with now wanting to celebrate you know, him being from Tennessee and funk music and country. And it didn't seem like it was authentic. The additive elements that tried to make it personal are what to me, like, crin made me cringe a little bit in terms of a not aging well at all. One was the, the Jessica Biel spoken word throughout the album. When I wear his shirt, it feels like like his skin over mine and the little holes and tears and shreds on it are are, are the, the memories of the past on his last track young man uh, we did and i listened to it with jenny we did find it cute like bringing his son into the the album and having did you guys cry she she did didn't cry, cry no she's I, she's not no JT doesn't do that to her. It's only it's only T Swift. Dada. 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 Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Jessica Beale's spoken word though, I will say was beautiful. Like when I first you enjoyed it? I actually, I did actually, like, I think- She does have a great voice, I'll give her that. I mean, she does, I honestly, when I first listened to it, like, I do appreciate those, those inner, I mean, mind you, it's only one formal interlude, I think, but she spoke also between Filthy and the second track. Um, I, I just adds a whole other layer of artistic um, to it, 
of art in itself. And I think that that was um, a nice, it kind of broke up the experience in itself. Like it made it a little bit, tiny, tiny, tiny bit enjoyable. What was your rationale holistically for what went wrong with this album? It's a combination of where he released it in his career and in the world. Um, to your point, a lot of Me Too things, um, you know, it resurrecting feelings of um, non-equitable, uh, non-equitable, how do I say this, um, relations with the Super Bowl regarding Janet and how that was unfair and how a white man can come in who's riding the coattails of cultural appropriation, most of his solo career, to now go into this with job, with nothing, except slapped on the wrist, right? Um, that paired with, you know, people these days now do empathize a little bit with Britney Spears, right? And so ensuring that she- At least you do, Mike. <laughs> I love, not just me, a lot of people do actually. She's, she's had a, a 180 with her, her PR, but, um, you know, I think that stacked with the off marketing, um, Justin did not, I think, think this through a bit more. And, I, and to his point was like in that, in that same producer that was, uh, so what type of vibe are we going for? And he like apparently looked at his outfit and was like, this is the vibe. And it's like, you should go in with a little bit more of a plan. Um, Justin is at a level in his career where he's up here, right? And he's he's aged really well sonically. I don't think he's had the most challenges as many women that have older in their career, but um, he still needs to find where does his career go from here? And I don't think it's in this direction. I'm glad he got his passion project out of the way, but uh, I don't think it appeals to the masses. My rationale for what went wrong was like, his intention didn't actually translate to the songs and lyrics. It feels as if he said, I want to make an album that's personal and called Man of the Woods and, and just kind of created these titles and the songs don't really map to that. Uh, so one of, one of the songs talks about how, you know, he's backed up on bills on credit cards. And I was like, well, is this about when he was growing up in Tennessee? But then he has another, uh, uh, song higher higher that talks about like being rich and famous so it just was very like sporadic and didn't feel personal no. to him today or to him as a child success is cool money is fine but you're special another level one of my questions is how is like how is this artist saved their career and i frankly don't think he saved it yet uh, specifically because he hasn't come out with new music except Soulmate, uh, apparently. But and I, I, I also tracks actually. What was that? A couple of Trolls Two tracks as well. Trolls Two tracks. Honestly, I think a return to his pop roots would be a very welcomed one. Um, I think you know, you know, Rock Your Body, all those tracks from Justified Era, like those are things that that worked well. And be honest. To your point, he does have, it's so effed up with how the gender divide and what, um, you know, equity in that perspective, but he could probably successfully go back to a back to basics pop era and be fine at, at his wife's probably his mid thirties right now. I'll be a mountain man till my dad 
It's that time of the show where we bring you our favorite uh, fan tweets that we found um, over the course of the past couple of weeks digging digging into Man of the Woods. So our first one is actually from uh, the Madison Square Garden because I couldn't I couldn't not share this. Uh, so these are the custom Man of the Woods Air Jordan threes uh, for. Justin Timberlake. Uh, so they have flannel on the shoe on the Jordans. The next tweet we have uh, from uh, Mr. DQJ or Scott's Thoughts, which I think is supposed to be about thoughts. <laughs> That's a good one. Justin Timberlake apologizing for his marital missteps and not for Man of the Woods is surprising. Um, and I oop. So yeah. our final tweet is from Mr. Maddie, and I thought this was really funny because it was just so on the nose, just like all of the music in, um, in on the album, but cleaning my guns and listening to Jun Justin Timberlake's Man of the Woods. All right, that brings us to the 2020 review. Uh, Mike, your final verdict, flop or not? Total flop, total flop. He's going to look back on this album and say, all right, I'm glad I got that out of my system. I had my album, my personal record. I went back to my roots. Again, this is all marketing. Um, but but ugh, Justin, you fucked up. <laughs> I don't like to be too harsh on albums, but I have to say that um, two years later, uh, this to me is still a flop in 2020. I think that people have, have always love Justin, the performer, um, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the child from the Mickey Mouse Club to in sync to, uh, to his first four studio albums. Uh, I don't think he needed to deviate here. Uh, and I think that, you know, we'll see that, you know, that course correction in this next album. Justin's a very versatile artist and we went from can't stop the feeling to this. He'll be fine. And uh, I think it's, again, he is gonna, gonna transition very nicely into whatever sound he takes next, again, with Timbaland by his side. So that wraps up our show, uh, Man of the Woods. Coming up on our next episode, we will review Katy Perry, Witness. In the meantime, uh, hit us up on social media at Flopography Podcast. Uh, hit us up and let us know what you think of Man of the Woods, what you think of Art Pop, the two albums that we've reviewed so far, and if there are any albums that you want justice for and would like us to review. Um, so as always, Mike, it's been a pleasure and I look forward to listening to our next album uh, for our next show. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, no album is off limits. Just please don't kill our ears as we listen to these things. Um, thank you all so much for your support and joining us. Brother, 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 brother,